to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Busy, busy, busy. Welcome back. Hour two here on Sports 56 Mornings. It is 8.05. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure. It's where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Special financing available, by the way. So you have the floor model sale going on. You're going to get great deals from that. And then special financing. So take advantage of that. Currently, 59 degrees, cloudy. We've had rain this morning. When I was driving in, it was very heavy. So we're going to have the chance of that rain throughout the day. High, though, of 66. Then tonight, overcast, rain showers at times. But the chance of rain dips down to 50%, looking at a mostly cloudy Saturday with a high of 63 degrees. The second hour of the program brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. Again, Valentine's Day is coming up on Wednesday. They have all types of amazing deals going on at James Gaddis Jewelers. Go to their website where you can purchase items 24-7. You don't even have to step in to their building. It's GaddisJewelers.com. Or if you want to stop by, and I suggest you do so because you can talk to James and all the rest of the great folks there about the jewelry, specifically what you're looking for. They can find it for you. 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick on the web, as I mentioned, at GaddisJewelers.com. Every Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know, I mentioned this briefly in hour one, that uh, two Memphians were traded yesterday during the, uh, the trade deadline coming to an end yesterday at 2 o'clock Central Time. Thaddeus Young and Cameron Payne were both involved in separate trades. They have now combined to play for 12 NBA teams, Thaddeus Young and Cameron Payne. Young, seven teams, Payne, five teams. Now, Payne has also played in the G League. He's played internationally as well. But both were traded yesterday to teams that they've already played for once already in their careers. So very interesting day for the locals, Thaddeus Young and Cameron Payne. Again, James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. All right, so the Tigers last night in Philadelphia to play a bad Temple team. They start out like a house on fire, looking really, really good. They're cruising. They got an 18-point lead at halftime. Thought maybe Penny would limit his his uh, rotation. He did not. <laughs> I mean, Who I thought I, that. I well, he said it, and he said, he it, said again. it a million times, and he said it again after the game. For goodness' sakes! Now they didn't have Jalen Young. Jalen Young uh, hurt his ankle during practice, so they didn't have Young. And Young, to me, and I think to most people, would be in the rotation because he's the guy that would spell JQ. But. You had both his sons that were playing, Sharon Fonts playing, and then you had Jonathan Pierre play and actually play well. Jonathan Pierre went for 10 points. He hit three of four threes, so that was a little bit of a bonus. But you had David Jones cooking early. You had Javon Quinterly shooting the ball extremely well after struggling against Wichita State. They're up 18. I watched most of the first half. Yeah, I watched all the first half. Then I'm driving to the Orpheum, and I'm listening to Wolo and Matt for a little bit of the second half, and I'm wondering, what what is going on here? Why is it they can't take an 18-point lead against Temple? I don't care that it's on the road. It could be on the moon. And win this thing by 35. Instead, they win by 7. Well, one of the problems was, as I mentioned earlier, they missed a bunch of free throws. They missed 14 of 25 free throws in the second half. For the game, they end up shooting from the line 
just 51.6%. That's 16 of 31. So they leave 15 points on the board there that they could have had making free throws. You're not going to make all of them, but they shoot a high percentage of free throws. They're a good free throw shooting team. So that was one of the reasons why they let Temple get back into the game somewhat. It was never a worry that Memphis was going to lose that game, but the Owls hung around. Tigers get a win. I don't know what a seven-point road win against Temple means. I haven't looked this morning yet. Maybe you have at the net and Ken Palm, and I know that Memphis has won some games in the conference where they've dropped, but it is a, a, a road game. But you had these guys where you could have buried them by 30, 35. You win by seven. Yeah, well, they flip-flop with North Texas in the net. They go from 78 to 77. North Texas goes 77 to 78. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't um, – I'm not sure what to take out of it. It's, you know, when you build the 23-point lead on the road against a terrible team, you think you should be able to be home free. Um, and, I mean, th- to give up a 15 nothing run – to that team um, is pretty hard, should be pretty hard to do. Um, I mean, Temple, all the, you know, I mean, they, they're seven of 27 from three. Um, I mentioned the one, I guess, somewhat redeeming quality they had was they generally don't turn the ball over a ton, but they turned it over 18 times. Like they, they just try and dribble through people. They actually, they don't see the other person. The amount of times they try to dribble, like go one-on-one it all was, was all it took was some other tiger player to come over and just take the ball from them. It's like, they don't have any awareness of any other thing on the court other than the guy guarding them. But um, I mean, yeah, the free throw shooting was awful. Um, down the stretch, it's just, um, I don't know. I mean, they were again, out-rebounded by nine. Uh, again, they gave up goes, 12 I mean, offensive rebounds. You know, when it got close and they got within three, mm-hmm. you know, David Jones hits the big three that he had the three-point play, if I remember correctly, um, to push the lead back up. Like, you know, in, in he, in a lot of ways, just bailed them out again by being great offensively. Um, when they needed somebody to step up because of that 15 nothing run that got the game down to a three-point game. And, you know, Quinterly certainly was much better in this one, shooting the basketball that he was in the last game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't you, you're watching it when they start blowing them out. I don't know, this is what you should do. This is, this is how th- this team should treat that team. Like, they should kill them. And then you watch the 15 nothing run. You got a three point game and down the stretch, they keep getting with like, they're getting within three and you're like, you, you have the idea of having to score on possessions to not give temple a chance to tie the game should not be happening. It's, it's just, I don't know. They, they, it's, I don't know if they let the I'm, bar I'm down. Sure I don't what know what it is. It. I, yeah. I just, every game, you could be a millionaire if you just bet against the tigers every game. I mean, they are, they just they do not cover spreads whatsoever. I wish I'd have got on board with that. I never thought of it. Then you could just be raking in money at this point. Um, well, I was on with Brett and Bryant yesterday, and I said that um, obviously I would never play a, a, a game the Tigers are involved. But I I said I don't know anybody in their right mind who would bet the Tigers with the spread. It's crazy. And then Brett told me yesterday that in the last hour. I come on at five. The game started at six. He had said basically in the last hour, the line had changed from minus six and a half to minus ten and a half. Like what? That that means a lot of money was dumped 
And that means that person lost. At six and a half, they cover. At se- they win by seven. But if that line truly did move to ten and a half, that was some late money and a lot of money being dumped down, and they lose. I think it was like, you know, Temple, Heiser Miller, who's their best player, was four of 15. Like, their best player didn't play well. Now you give And you give the Tigers defense credit. They did a, a, a good job against him, not letting him free. They didn't let the Jordan Riley kid get free uh, too much as far as for three-pointers. He had had back-to-back 20-point games. But... Um, their bench had 29 points, though. They but, came in that San, Stanford kid came in and played yeah, the, really well. The, the him and uh, DeZoni and DeZoni was awesome with a double double. And I don't remember what he averaged. I think he averaged like eight points, something like that. Right. But, 15 and 10. Again, every time you think like they're on track to just like, okay, this is this is what this team should be. Then here you are in a tight ball game with Temple down the stretch, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know why they can't figure this thing out, but it's still not figured out. Well, as you said, sometimes dribbling, trying to dribble through people, making cross-court low-percentage passes, but then I look at the total numbers, and they only had 11 turnovers, which is not the end of the world. Penny always talks about keeping it to single digits, but 11 as opposed to games where they've had 20. But they were out-rebounded by nine. They gave up 12 offensive rebounds. I I, I don't know. I, I just, they, they don't like prosperity. They get up so big. I don't know if they take the team for granted, think they got a blowout win. The bottom line is they win the game, and it's not like we're sitting here. We're not Tigers fans per se here. We're just trying to give you the, the, the lowdown. You can't win by seven against Temple even on the road. You have to blow out these teams. That's just the way it is when it comes to the net and Ken Palm. And I know that's not the the most important thing the selection committee looks at. It's been proven over the years, but it is certainly some part of the analytics that they will, will dive into. They'll look at the analytics. They'll discuss. They'll look at the schedule, the strength of schedule. They'll look at, even though Jerry says they don't look at the conferences, they'll look at the conferences. I think they look at every single thing. So, Memphis gets a win. That's the good thing. They continue on because any one of these games that they lose probably... I think more more so than not takes them out completely for an at-large. I think personally they have to win them all with the exception of the if they lose at Florida Atlantic. But they get the win. They'll play Tulane on Sunday at 1 o'clock, Super Bowl Sunday. That's a home game at FedEx Forum where they'll look to um, extract a little revenge at the hands of Tulane after losing to the Green Wave in New Orleans. But you also had last night, Florida Atlantic. We discussed this on the show yesterday. We both agreed. Andy Kennedy, he is a really good coach. Would not be surprised if Florida Atlantic lost that game. Early on, Florida Atlantic was dominating. But that's when Kennedy sticks his foot in there, you know what, and they rally, and they win. They force overtime. They get to win 76-73. They trail by seven at home at halftime. Um, UAB has now beaten Memphis and Florida Atlantic. So he has them playing well, another one of the newcomers to the American Conference this season. Yeah, Florida Atlantic's never won at UAB. They're now 0-8 all-time at UAB. Um, not that Florida Atlantic was ever good before, so it's not like a surprise that they wouldn't be able to win at UAB. Uh, but the Lindeberg kid was just awesome uh, for UAB. I think he ended up with, what did he have, with 21 rebounds? I don't remember what it was. Like, it was insane right. as far as the rebounds. Um, he just absolutely dominated Florida Atlantic and their big kid inside. And obviously, a nice win for UAB. And 
Now it sets up, you know, that it tightens that race a little bit more at the top of the conference, giving Florida Atlantic another loss up there. Um, UAB still at three losses, so it continues to to stay very tight up there. Uh, it was twenty one rebounds yeah. that he had. Uh, the Davis kid for UAB, I don't know what his deal was. He probably should have gotten two more technology. Like he, he should have been kicked out of that game like multiple times. Like he was just, and at the very end when he fouled out, he should have got another technical on his way off the court. I don't know why that dude was so angry with everybody, but he was mad. And then he was in basically in their huddle, wasn't he? In the yeah. Florida Atlantic huddle. When he got the last foul, he walked right up to Golden in the huddle and he's like yelling at him and like he keeps pounding on his hand and stuff. Like, like I, how he didn't get a technical in that one, but there were like three different times. I'm like, how's he not getting a technical? He did get the one, they got the double technical, but how he didn't ever end up with another technical, I have no idea. But it's interesting. You got Florida Atlantic that has some size, UAB with the rebounder that had 21. There are going to be games that are left on this schedule for Memphis where they're going to have to go back to that real big lineup. And it's not like they're small when they're starting Tomlin alongside Jourdain. But I would imagine Malco, who got 17 minutes and came off the bench for the Tigers, will still be really needed in some of these games and may still start games. I'm not necessarily sure that this will be the starting lineup the rest of the way. It could be. Penny may want to start out going a little smaller. But there are going to be games where they're going to have to use Malcolm and maybe even a few minutes from Jordan Brown, who did not play in last night's game and last night's win at Temple. Dennis has dialed in on the Sports 56 listener lines, wants to talk a little Tigers. Hi, Dennis. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday, guys. Happy Friday. Hey, uh, I just want to, you know, the game, the game last night, man, I think the first half, you know, kind of showed us the flashes of the old Tigers, man. I think. You know, the same ugly monster raised his head. You see the turnovers or uh, free throws. I mean, the South Florida game, they were 14 or 22, I believe, you know, and on the road or even at home, they're a costly game, man. So, you know, like you said, Greg, thankfully, uh, they pulled out the win, man. But I, I just, and, and I heard you say, Greg and Eli, and I agree with you guys, the conference is not that great, but I think that. They should get a little more credit, man. I mean, these guys are playing. I mean, they're playing their butts off. And I'm not saying that we're not supposed to win and all of that, but like you just said, UAB has beaten Memphis and FAU, two ranked teams, and I don't think they're going to sniff the time. And I just, I mean, the uh, NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, it doesn't get credit, but it's, it's not fair. But, I mean, it's like, that's why you got the conference tournament. But I'm just glad they won, man, and, you know, I hope they can keep this up and hopefully keep your turnovers down. That's one of the biggest things. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate the call. Yeah, they're competitive within the conference. They have proven that. They get up for conference play. But during the non-conference portions of their schedule, I'm talking about teams outside of Memphis and Florida Atlantic, there really isn't a lot, if if any at all, of quality wins from all those schools, even the schools that are doing exceptionally well, like South Florida, which is 9-1 and one in the conference. But look at their losses in non-conference play. They they lack the wins. That's why they're not ranked high as a conference overall. Yeah, I, again, I go over this day after day after day. What, UAB, uh, their best win would be Maryland or Drake, uh, but they have losses to McNeese State, Southern Miss, Arkansas State, Bradley, yeah, really, their best wins are now Florida Atlantic and Memphis. No, I'm talking all non. No, 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 no. I know, I know what you're saying, but if you I mean, if you like, look at the overall resume, like that's they go the, 
Every one of these. Go right down the standings in the American Athletic Conference. Right. All of these teams, everybody thinks, oh, they're better than what we thought. Go look at their non-conference. They did nothing in the non-conference. Again, the only difference in the conference is Memphis and Florida Atlantic aren't dominating it like people thought they would. It's probably because they're not as good as people thought they were. Melvin is next. Hi, Melvin. Yeah, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good. Yeah, I think I was kind of scared to the end of the first half. Like, you know, we're talking about a rotation, but it's a 23-point league, right? And you got you got a fast break. You got Jaquan Walton trying to rush down like it's two seconds, like it's, like it's three mm-hmm. seconds on the clock and turn the ball over. And there's something we had touched on. I've been, I was touched on on Twitter. Like, he's been bad. He was like one for five in the first half with like two turnovers. And like Quinley got it going, Jones got it going on. He, there's one guy that hasn't stepped to the road there, man. This is David Jones' team. I got to fit in. He just checks up three. He was a man of five last night. And I know we get, we know we talk about the rotation. Like, yeah, they up 23, so everybody plus man is not going to be bad. But I said to them, he like, he was a negative five. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't talk, like, we want to show the rotation, but if, if John Piero come in and hit that three, that was a close three because Walter missing threes. In the second half, they gave him like 10 straight points. He was getting drawn back. If he took him out. So, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to be with the veteran. Like, when they made that lead, like, you got Malcolm went up, missed, got the rebound, got three guys on him with pass. Then you got David Jones. You know David Jones great, but he going to come down. We struggling. I'm not going to pass the turnover. Jaquan Quigley coming out of timeout. He just throws up. He, this, like, he had a great first half. The second half, he played like he's point shaving or something. <laughs> and then the free throws, I like how – I mean, he did miss one of those layups. He'll just, you know, turn his throw the ball to Pierre and the yep. best free throw. I'm like, get the get the get the get the ball to your free the best free throw. So Pierre went like one for three at the end. Jones missed some, but you want him and Quiddle with the ball. They just getting in about the ball for free throws. All right. And then, and that that stuff hurt because if you win by 15, you win a one. You win by 15 or 20, you're going up seven or eight points in the net. And yep. you know, people got to understand that. So hey. It is. Margin margin of victory is part of it. Thank you, Melvin. Appreciate the call. Here's the thing, though. David Jones is the guy you wanted the free throw line, and he he didn't miss a few. He missed a bunch of them. And uh, and what he said about rushing, the passes that Walton made, Quinterly's trying to do a half-court bounce pass. I, I don't understand why they're trying to be so fancy with the basketball. Even Penny Hardaway, who could be fancy when he was playing, right, can go behind the back and do, he was in control. These guys at times are out of control. They want to play fast. They want transition baskets, but you got to really protect the basketball and be better and more fundamentally sound with your passing. It, the, it, to his point on Jaquan Walton, Jaquan Walton, the the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows of Jaquan Walton's shooting, like he is. It is either he's going to be great. Or he is not going to hit anything. Like it's kind of like if he misses his first one or two, you might as well sit him on the bench, and call it a night, because it, it just doesn't seem to turn. Um, one for seven overall last night, zero for five from three. Like he is a, you talk about a streaky shooter, right? Like it is. It that dude is. It's crazy um, watching him game to game because one name he can look like you like you think he's never going to miss another shot, and then games like last night, you're like, what in the world is this guy doing shooting the basketball? And I really think it's important for them to have that third shooter, not just third scorer. Tomlin's around 10, 11 points, but if they can have that third shooter, and that means Walton, that means the the pressure comes on his shoulders, and as you said, he has been very inconsistent. CD is next. Hi, CD. Good morning. Good morning. This is a one-league conference. 
You know, one you team, three, one, one team league. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, there's only one team from the AAC going to the tournament. Number two, the Memphis Tigers have three guys on this team. You're trying to show out for NBA scouts every basketball game. And number three, somebody please tell me why number two is on this basketball team. Y'all have a good day. Thank you, CD. I appreciate that. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with Nicholas Jordan. There, there are many other guys on there that I would wonder why they're playing rather than Nicholas Jordan. Nobody plays harder than Nicholas Jordan. He's a very intelligent guy. I did uh, my latest ninety-four walking ninety-four feet with uh, with Nicholas Jordan. He's very cerebral. I, I just think at times he's slow in his reaction. He should rebound the ball a little bit better. He should use that physicality more because he is a big guy. But, yeah, he, he's certainly one of the more valuable players they've had on the team this year. One more call, and then we'll take a break. And then Matt Dillon on the other side. It's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Maybe, maybe Jonathan Pierce coming on. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You know, he's 6'10", so. Good size. He, he can give you a, a both height. But uh, go back to uh, my, my conversation with Eli. You know, one thing about this league uh, and their schedule, they can't get anybody to play them from the power conferences at home. They're not going to play them at home. No. Memphis is one, the only league team in that league that gets them. So, I mean, if you look even like Duke, they won't play most teams except for the yeah, neutral Because they court. don't have to. But, like they, the- but, they, but, Mike, the problem is they can't beat even the marginal teams out of the conference. Well, look, when you play a team, you can get beat. Isn't that right? Sure. Yes, you have two I mean, options. You, you can either win or lose the game. That is astute. What, they have to go to overtime to beat Temple? Isn't that right? Well, what's, Who? The, what's the point? He's talking about Ole Miss. Well, uh, I'm no, saying they, they played won. them, and, and Temple's a rousy team, but Ole Miss had to go to overtime to yeah. beat them. Yeah. So what's, I mean, then Ole Miss is doing okay. Go, it didn't go to SEC, overtime. You know, I mean, it didn't go to overtime. By is, Nobody's saying that Ole Miss is a top-10 team. They're not a top-10 team. I'm saying... The quality of okay, the Mike, of UAB the lost plan. to McNeese State and Southern Miss at home. You think they want to play Duke at home? Well, Duke doesn't want to play them at they, home. They don't have to. They shouldn't go play UAB or anybody at home like that. Well, they They'd be dumb for Duke to do that. About when you're talking about schedules and power rankings. I'm talking all, about a team hey, that look, lost to McNeese State and Southern book. Miss at home, and you're telling me they would beat Duke if Duke came Mike, and played them. Mike, you're missing the point. The, the pro, it's not who, that they haven't beaten anybody of name, of substance. They they haven't really beaten teams. They've lost to those mediocre teams that are in the non-conference portion of your schedule. That's what If they won those games, they could be okay if they were able to play a couple of teams, even on a neutral South court. South Florida's leading the conference. They lost to Maine on their home court. Yeah, let's, go to, let's get them Duke. That's why these these teams aren't getting a sniff of the uh, bracketology. Oh, oh, you don't think maybe if uh, Maine came down to, let's say, Liberty or whatever that was that beat Michigan, they beat them on their home floor. Anything's you know. possible. In a, and thank you, Mike. Anything's possible on any given night. That we we accept that, Mike. I mean. But the point is that these teams are not in the conversation when we talk to Jerry Palm or what Lenardi has or DeCourcy has or Kerry Miller has is because they don't have this total resume. And it's not just because those teams don't want to play them on their home court. For sure, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, you think they're going to go to Birmingham and play UAB? No, but you're going to have to beat those other teams on your schedule as well as do incredibly well in the conference to even be on the bubble. So, yeah, it's tough. 
tough for them. They're not going to be able to get those teams scheduled like Memphis is able to do. But all they would be more than likely is losses, maybe a big upset every once in a while. But they haven't proven anything non-conference-wise that they can compete with the best when they can't even compete with the mediocre teams. All right. Matt Dillon on the other side. Tiger basketball report. We continue talking Tiger hoops. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Plenty of Super Bowl talk in hour three. Brandon Lang will handicap the big game. And then the man known as DeMonster, DeMontre Moore, the former Texas A&M All-American NFL, CFL player. He will join us. Uh, still playing football, but he's a TV radio football analyst and uh, does a real nice job. He will give us his thoughts on the Super Bowl. Right now, giving us his thoughts on last night's win for the Tigers is Matt Dillon. It's time to talk Tiger hoops. It's the Tiger Basketball Report with Tigers radio analyst Matt Dillon. The Tiger Basketball Report is brought to you by Central Barbecue, La Guadalupana, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, Dave & Buster's, Coletta's, Ben Swanger Glass, and Los Cabos on Summer Avenue. Now, here's Matt Dillon with Greg and Eli. Big shout-out to all our great sponsors. Big shout-out to the professor, Matt Dillon, from the Tiger Radio Network. They're terrific Long-time analyst. Matt, how are you? What time did you guys get back? Uh, a little late night, folks. Uh, I got home about one thirty or so. So we had pretty rough flight going back from turbulence. We had to go around some weather, so it took a little while to get back. There was a time where I thought that game wasn't going to end till one thirty. <laughs> I didn't either. I said, man, we're going to be here another day in Philadelphia. But, Holy uh, cow, the fouls. That was insane at the end of that game. Well, let, let's start with the, the positive, and that's obviously they get a win, they go on the road, they take care of business against a not-so-good team. The negative, of course, is that they didn't run away with this thing when it looked like they'd probably win by 30 and ends up only being a seven-point win. So your thoughts on last night's performance in the dub? Well, I tell you, it's interesting. You know, they, they came out and started great, got the lead, and I said, man, that's exactly what we need to do. They let up a little bit, uh, let them kind of slip back into the game for a moment, and then they, they went out again And halftime. I said, well, this is probably going to be one of those second halves where you sit back and <laughs> kick and relax, and <laughs> it didn't turn out that way. I'm telling you, it really didn't. Uh, you know, they had a 23-point lead in the first half, and, it's funny because this uh, team for Temple, uh, talent-wise, it's very down. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but and, and I was kind of surprised when I looked. They're seventh all-time in wins yeah. in the history of college basketball. You used to have a great program. John Chaney there for a number of years, sure. obviously. And, you know, they tried Dumphy and, you know, and Aaron McKee. Nothing seems to work. Now they brought in a guy that's a really young guy, and they lost five of their six scores. So their talent is just depleted. Fellas, I mean, there, there's a couple of players on that team. There, you know, Miller's a good player, obviously. Now, I, I certainly think White is good. A couple of guys did step up for him last night, but I thought the Tigers got that lead. You know, came in the second half, started cruising again, and they chipped away a little bit at a time as the game of runs. It was like twelve nothing Tigers and eleven nothing back and forth, and 
it got kind of sticky there uh, down the stretch. And certainly uh, a, a guy that we didn't think would be a factor ended up being a factor, Jonathan Pierre, down the stretch. He came in and made some big shots, made a couple of big threes, and uh, played a pretty good basketball game. Really his first uh, complete game, I guess, since he's been a Tiger. The We've had a number of people who have texted in about Penny's comment, which I think came on with with on the radio in the post game about we're just trying to find five to seven guys now. No more playing everybody. That's what he uh, said. Yeah, but he keeps playing everybody. Do, do you believe that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's hard to believe sometimes because when you look up, there's you know there's ten or eleven people playing. But he said, you know, we got to get seven to eight guys, and a lot of coaches do that. You know, we've discussed this before, but a lot of coaches, you make that turn now, you go into the conference tournament NCAA hopefully you got to cut that rotation down and get everybody's roles defined and they're still working on it right now now here's Jonathan Pierre played 15 minutes last night now is he going to step into that seven or eight we will see you know somebody's got to be switched around here so yeah it's still a process I think of of finding those seven to eight guys Uh, one thing that really disturbed him was the rebounding last night Uh, they're not a good rebounding team Temple yeah. And they beat him on the boards 43-34. So that was kind of a surprise a little bit. There's a lot of positive things, though, too. Uh, I, I think they moved the ball better last night, the attack. You know, most of the time, Temple doesn't play any zone. They played some last night, but really for the first time. They had eight possessions all year until last night, and they attacked the zone, did, did a pretty good job with that, hit the threes. But the thing that really that you know surprised me, you know, would they, you know, get the ball second or third pass, well, they did do it, and they did it with a 17 assists and on 29 field goals. That's a pretty good percentage for this team. They've not been doing that, and they, you know, one time they had four passes before they got a, a, a three in the corner wide open. So a little better uh, at that. Uh, did not rebound well, but other than that, in the free throws, obviously that's another story. I think that was just an aberration for last night. 16 of 31 from the free throw line, fellas, and that's uh, it's not going to get it done against teams. Uh, Later on in the year, that, that's something that certainly uh, the Tigers have been good fourth in the league, but last night, man, just couldn't hit free throws. Penny started the five that ended the game against Wichita State. Right. So a little bit smaller lineup, although Tomlin and Jordan have size. Do you think that Malconi playing 17 minutes, he didn't use Brown at all? Do you think that contributed to them being out rebounded the way they were out rebounded by Temple? I think so. And it, that was part of a great but aggressiveness. I, I just didn't think they were aggressive on the boards. Last night, and and I've told you a lot of times, you know, rebounding is aggression. You got to want to do mm-hmm. it. You got to give your body up. You got to find somebody. You know, if you area rebound, put a body and be physical. Last night, they just got hustled on the glass last night, and he was pretty upset about that when he came on the post game show. And he sees I said, you know, that's something we got to correct, and uh, they should be able to do that. But but Malco last night uh, didn't play, but seventeen minutes. Shoot around. He 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 was kind of not doing very much. I, I don't know if his knees were bothering him a little bit or whatever. But uh, you know they went with Jordan a bunch, twenty eight minutes, and he came back last night. Really proud of him because you didn't know what was going to happen with him going into that environment. But man, the crowd was. They announced. I mean, eight thousand. There may have been half that in that building, and uh, but they booed him. You know he was worried about it, and he came back. Did a good job. I thought last night as well. Of course, Jones got a double double. A twenty-three and ten, but you know the big thing, and uh, to me against the Tigers, you know you got to stop Jones at the end of games. He's that one guy that can take over, and he's done it numerous times, and he did it again 
when they needed him, and they, you know, they close, they got it down to six there. He he took over and hit some big shots. So that's one thing a lot of teams in this league don't have is a dynamic scorer like him in situations. I think certainly uh, he proved last night that uh, what kind of year he's having. It really played within himself. Well, I, there's some people that complain about him because of the turnovers, but if you look at these last two games, uh, they don't win the Wichita State game for sure no without question. David Jones. Absolutely. Um, and then last night, yeah, again, when it came to push came to shove, he just took over the game and can go score and do a lot of different things. Tiger Basketball Report brought to you by Los Cabos, Dave and Buster's, Ben Swanger Glass, Central Barbecue, Car Corner on Mount Mariah, Coletta's, and La Guadalupana. All right, let's pretend that Penny is going to live up to what he says and he's he, he he wants to limit the rotation to seven guys who are the seven that's going to be an interesting question uh, i'll tell you well I, obviously i mean and now pierre's going to kind of muddle it up a little bit now, now what do you he, do with him either one of his sons going to play no way he's sending his sons especially not sitting um jaden i mean he and, and I don't know what Jaden does when he's in there, but I, I can't see that happening, man. I don't know how he cuts it down to seven. I think it's impossible for him to cut it to seven. I think it's going to be a difficult task. And, you know, you're going to bruise some egos when you do that. I mean, yeah, you know, last night, I mean, Ashton only played four minutes. You know, Jaden played a little bit more than that 11. But, yeah, I mean, I, do you do you put them in and, and, and let them play in there? Or do you put Pierre, who had a good game last night, you know, and, you know Here's Sharon Fine. He's another guy that's got a lot of physical ability. You know, last night didn't play much, but he's a good defender and do some things. I would hate to be in that seat having to figure out uh, how that rotation. Well, Jalen Young be. didn't even play because he was hurt. He's going to be in yeah, the he rotation. Was hurt last well, that's night. Right, right. But so he's you take last night, you take the five starters from last night, and you assume Dandridge is going to be a part of that. Who's the right. seventh guy? <laughs> well, it's got to be Jalen right. Young, right? Right. <laughs> well, you have to have a backup back point guard, right. I think. And I think that's the question as well. So, yeah, that's going to be a difficult thing. I, I just can't see seven or eight. I, mean, maybe, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> may, maybe so. He but. needs to stop saying it. That's what he needs to do because he says it after every game and then doesn't do it. Well, I, I think he, you know, he gets frustrated, guys, maybe a little bit sometimes, and that's that's one reason he's saying it. But, yeah, you know, playing seven or eight is fine as long as everybody stays out of foul trouble oh, I agree. or injured or whatever. But you, you, sometimes you got to switch that up. But playing like – you know, eleven or twelve certainly he, is something that you won't see from this point on. And again, uh, who's going to sit on that bench? That's going to be an interesting uh, situation to me, indeed. And I think, you know, uh, the, this team—it's a veteran team, so you got a lot of guys that want to play. So that's the thing that's that makes it very difficult. You know, sometimes with younger players, you can you can do it a little bit easier. But uh, you know, the, the core seven. You're right. There's there, and then you got to figure out who the other people are going to be. But uh, think about if Caleb I, was in the he, lineup. You know, needs, Caleb wasn't. He hurt. needs to coach the Grizzlies, where they only have seven healthy bodies. It makes it easy. You don't. Have, you can't even be tempted to put somebody else <laughs> in the true. game. The like the one that, I, just, and I don't know. Maybe he was tired and asked to come out. But like David, he takes David Jones out of the game last night. Like three minutes and third, I don't know, like four minutes into the game, David Jones comes out of the game. Did he ask to come out? Was he tired? No, I think I think he was he was kind of getting out of sync a little bit, and they put him in. He didn't stay out very long, though. They, I mean, he came right back in. I think they wanted to talk to him. Hey, settle down and and everything else. And uh, you know, he played thirty one minutes basically last night. But yeah, he wasn't hurt or anything. I tell you, that guy's an iron man. That he can he can really go and fight out physically. Now he's a specimen. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I think 
you know, Temple uh, last night, I mean, they gave their best effort. I mean, this is probably the best game they played all year. Well, they and just they lost just, the overtime game to Tulane. They played really well down there. They yeah, could have won that game. I'm, yeah, I'm not real big on Tulane guys, really. I know the Tigers lost to them, but that team to me should be a lot better than they are. I mean, they have three or four guys that have played together for a while and just don't have any height. They're a very small team. Of course, we, we'll see them on Sunday again, and that's a game that should be very interesting because there's some bad feelings between uh, those two teams. There's no question about it. Tigers, I, I would be astounded if they weren't come out ready to play. So do you expect on Sunday. the small lineup again Sunday against Tulane? Yes, probably so. The, Tulane's a funny team to play because they play a little bit different. You know, they, they want to turn you over and kick the ball out and get in transition, mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of big guys. So, you know, you, you got to keep people in front. Uh, Forbes has not had a great year for them. I think that's one of the big keys of that game on Sunday. Will he get out of his shell and play better? He's been a little bit of a disappointment for him. Not a bad year, but not like they thought he was going to take that next step. But, you know, again, they got five or six players. That's all they have. And they, they do what Hunter does. So, very intriguing team. Well, Tigers certainly have to play with um, a sense of urgency. There's no question about it. But they also can't allow that sense of urgency to screw up what they're doing on the court. Last night looked like it was going to be a cakewalk. It ends up being a tight game, but they do get the dub. And now, as Matt said, Tulane, one of their rivals in the conference, uh, a game where they're going to look to extract a little revenge at the Green Wave's hand. And then next week, when uh, Matt joins us, we'll be in the middle of that Texas two-step. And that's going to be huge with North Texas and SMU. So lots of basketball to be played, but the Tigers in desperation mode get a dub last night and they can uh, live to play another day. Matt, as always, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. I know you didn't get much sleep. Rest a little bit and get ready for Sunday. Okay. Thanks, guys. And uh, you'll have a great weekend and go, Tigers. Thank you, Matt. So David Jones starts the game with the layup, uh, then gets a steal, does have a turnover, then makes a three. Then gets an offensive rebound, drives, makes a nice pass to Jordan, who makes a layup, and then he gets taken out of the game three minutes, 15 seconds in. Yeah, I'll tell you this. They I'm, need to take him out to settle him down because he had, what, five points, a steal, and an assist? I don't even understand that. Eli, I'm watching the game in my living room, and I'm walking around doing things as I'm watching the game. Jaden Hardaway yeah, comes in I for turned, three minutes and 15 seconds I into the tur- game. I turned around, and I'm watching, and I'm like, when did Jaden come in the game? Like he was in the game, but it, but he does this all the time, like every game. So you throw in that I, I'm telling you, he's going to play Jaden. He's playing Jaden. If they needed to take him out to tell him to settle down, I guess it was, hey, settle down, quit scoring so much. <laughs> we really need to. We're, we're scoring way too often with you on the floor. Jalen Young will play. He'll spell a now. Quinterly played what nearly 39 minutes last night, but Young will will play. Then you have. Pierre, I don't know. Maybe he throws him into the mix now. Dandridge is obviously going to play at times. I mean, Malco's been pretty darn good this year for the most part. Even if they go small, he's going to, at times, put him in there for rebounds, especially if they're lacking the rebounds. That's nine guys right there, right off the bat. And remember, they lost Caleb Mills, so where would they be if Caleb Mills was right? He should limit the rotation. It, it screws up continuity when you're going well, just like you said, with David Jones, everything's fly, and then all of a sudden you make a change. Well, the thing is, but he, he, I think he's always going to be that even way. Even if you want to play nine guys, don't take David Jones out of the game three minutes in. I agree. Unless he was asking to come out because he was tired. They had five points of steal and an assist, and you took him out of the game in three minutes. 
if, he, if, he was, if he was tired three minutes into the game, that's a problem. Moving can be stressful, but the folks at Black Tie Moving, well, they'll take a lot of that stress and worry out of the process. Whether you're moving across town, whether you're moving across country, wherever it is you're headed, you want to make sure you get the professionals to do that to help you with that move because you don't want to be trying to do it yourself. Don't want to be asking your friends to help you. You want the professionals there. That's Black Tie Moving. They will work with you coming up with a plan for your move, fitting both what you need and fitting your budget as well. All you got to do is give them a call at 901-316-6196, 901-316-6196, or you could go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis and uh, you get all the information there. But again, talk to them, come up with that plan for your move, fitting what you need and fitting your budget. You do get a no obligation quote up front as well, so you know exactly what it's going to cost. During the move, you've got a moving concierge available 24-7 to answer any questions that you have, uh, That if you know, anything comes up during the move you need a question answered they are there to answer it okay, don't try and do it yourself get the professionals black tie moving 901-316-6196 or go to blacktiemoving.com slash memphis got some college football news a little bit more from last night's nfl honors evening and some of the nba trades that took place yesterday all coming up in our final segment here in hour two this is sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The SEC announced yesterday that they are paying out to their schools $741 million in revenue distribution. Captain Math will tell you that's fifty-one point three million per school. It's pretty good money. Not too, it's not, not too shabby. Close to what they're going to be getting in a couple of years. Right, and you got Texas and Oklahoma coming in, but even though it adds two more teams, like you said, with the new deal, there will be more money coming in. Also, Michigan, according to reports, going to hire Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator for Sharon Moore. So Wink going from the NFL, long time. Baltimore Ravens, D.C., was with the Giants this past year. You know, a veteran guy like that making the transition to college. That'll be very interesting. And we know Steve Belichick's going to Washington to become their defensive coordinator from the Patriots. But Wink's been around the game for a long time. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll be very interested to see how that turns out. Last night, the NFL honors. We mentioned already the Hall of Fame class that was announced also last night, no surprise, Lamar Jackson wins his second straight, or not second straight, but his second MVP award. Yeah, almost uh, unanimous, but Josh Allen got one first place vote. Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, just edged out D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, won the tiebreaker. They, 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 speaking of tiebreakers, they they won the tie. He won the tiebreaker with more first place votes. I don't understand. D'Amico Ryan's, I believe, was left off of seven ballots completely. Gosh, bless it. How's that happen? That, I, 
The dude won the division with a team that was expected to win like three games. Right. And you don't even think he was top three in coach of the year somehow? There were three people or seven people, I believe it was, that left him off their ballot completely. I don't I don't even comprehend what three coaches you would put ahead of D'Amico Ryans this year. Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year. We mentioned earlier that Will Anderson was your Defensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Stroud, so both guys from the Houston Texans. The Comeback Player of the Year, Joe Flacco. All right, I understand. Amazing comeback. Certainly, normal years, hands down, wins it. Baker Mayfield was pretty good in his comeback. I don't care that DeMar Hamlin only played in five games. The fact that he played NFL football after he was dead on the football field, you don't come back any better than that. He came back from the from death. I mean, come on, man. How does DeMar Hamlin not win it? Uh, most years he probably would, but Joe Flacco coming back and having the year he had coming off of the couch, basically. Hard to beat. So Cleveland had Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and then they fired just about every offensive coach and failed to get to where they needed to get to. And so you got, again, next year, the everything's put in the corner of, of Watson, Deshaun Watson, with Joe Flacco, I would imagine now going back to retirement, which is probably semi-retirement, he's on call. He's on speed dial. But, yeah, it's interesting. Cleveland and Houston did pretty well as far as the awards last night. From the NBA, we talked about the Grizzlies to start the show and all the moves that they made elsewhere around the NBA. Again, the experts are saying the Knicks won the draft, even though the Knicks – not the draft. The I said it again. I said it earlier. They won the – trade deadline day by acquiring Bogdanovich from the Pistons and Alec Burks from the Pistons um, and adding to what is already a very nice unit that includes what they got in the trade from Toronto with OG Ananobi. The problem is that Ananobi is hurt. He's out for a minimum three weeks. Is Randall hurt as well right now? Mm -hmm. So Mitchell Robinson's hurt. So they're battling injuries, but a healthy team, Precious Achua, another guy they got from Toronto, the former Tiger, so I don't know if they'll – I don't know if that roster is good enough to knock off a of Boston. It, but it's interesting now in the East because you have Philadelphia without Embiid, and they made some moves. And then you have Milwaukee. They made a trade, but they are now one under Doc. One in five? One in four. Uh, I'm not sure how many games he's coached now. One, something like that. Something is just is not jiving. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that. Pacers picked up a shooter in Doug McDermott. Uh, the 76ers traded Jaden Springer to Boston, so the former Vol goes there. P.J. Washington was acquired by the Mavericks. Grant Williams among the players going to Charlotte. We mentioned this because it broke on the air yesterday that the Thunder get a veteran player like Gordon Hayward who's been hurt. Uh, Dennis Schroeder goes to the Nets along with Thaddeus Young, the Memphian, for Spencer Dinwiddie, who subsequently was released. So Dinwiddie is available for any of the teams out there that are in competition 
to maybe get to the NBA Finals to bring in a, a veteran scorer. Bucks sent Robin Lopez to the Kings, and then he was waived subsequently. Patrick Beverly goes to the Bucks. Uh, this, as I said again earlier, campaign. The Memphian goes to Philadelphia, second stint with the Sixers, along with a second-round pick. So anything stand out to you from the deadline yesterday? Uh, I do think the Knicks did well. I think Bogdanovich was a heck of a pickup for them, um, adding a shooter like that to that team. Um, that is a very good roster when they get healthy. Um, I don't understand. You know, it was surprising that the Lakers weren't able to get anything done. Um, DeJounte Murray ends up staying put. I don't, for the life of me, know what exactly the Bulls are doing. Um, holding on to everybody. Um, I'm not sure what their plan is. Um, People were saying that was an epic failure by the Bulls because guys can walk. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, and like I, you're in the play-in. Okay, great. Like well, you're, this team's going nowhere. Like get something for some of these guys at least. I mean, they had some pretty coveted guys. Um, and Caruso was one that a lot of people wanted. Obviously, Zach Levine's injury, that screwed that whole thing up. But, I mean, Drummond is a guy that certainly you could have got something for. I don't know. I, I don't know what what exactly, where where they're headed with this thing. But it, it's, it's weird that they didn't do anything at all. It just kind of stood pat with this roster. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. All right, we need to take a timeout. We'll come back hour three. Plenty of Super Bowl talk. We'll start. With handicapper extraordinaire Brandon Lang, he's on the other side. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 